Welcome to Spirit Behind the Screen. Each episode, your host, Marty McCurdy, deep dives on industry trends around high-reliability electronics and the supply chain in aerospace and defense. This is episode 27 with Gary Reichmuth on Texas Instruments' Space EP product line. Hi, I'm Marty McCurdy with Spirit Electronics and we're in our podcast behind the screen and I am thrilled today to be with one of our supply chain leaders in Texas Instruments and with me today is Gary Reichmuth. Gary, welcome to the show. I appreciate your time and your inputs for being on behind the screen. Thank you, Marty. Thank you for having us. I appreciate it. Lovely. So you are the GM for the aerospace and defense business within TI, which we all know is, you know, our A&D family of customers and suppliers is very unique and specific. So I can imagine some of the challenges that you face every day with, you know, moving targets within the budgets and the demand and allocation and all of those things. So I would like to maybe just hone in a little bit today on the space EP parts that TI is so famous for and has had on the market for quite a while and and kind of understand what is driving the need for this market in the space parts that TI is putting out. So is that a, a good place to start? Yeah, I think that's very good. Great, good. Well, give us a little bit of an idea of what's happening maybe in the in the LEO orbits and some of the shorter missions that are happening out there. So as, as you probably know, like you alluded to, TI has a long history in the space market, you know, over 60 years going back to the first Explorer mission where we had a transistor on the first satellite that went into orbit. And, you know, we have parts on the Voyager missions that are now in intercellular space, 14 billion miles away from Earth, but they're still functioning today. So they're, you know, outside our solar system. And then we also worked with Dr. James Van Allen when he was doing his research on the radiation belts, the Van Allen Allen belts. And we did custom development for him, an integrated circuit, so he could use for his Geiger counter. So we've been very committed to the market and been there a long time. But uh, as you know, the market moves and we're seeing this new change or shift in the market where they want to do more of these low earth orbit constellations. In the past, you know, you have these Voyager missions that have been in space for 40 years. Now with these LEO, they're looking for more cost, low earth orbit, large constellations, but the mission life is only going to be three to five years. So they don't necessarily need as rad hard parts as they had for the Voyager missions. So that's something that we've developed a new line of products, which we call rad tolerant or internally space CP that kind of meets the mission needs for those type of missions. No, I think it's great. I, I know we all talk and, and some of your other team that engages here at Spirit, we all talk about the changes in the market space. And I think that you know, anybody that's not watching what SpaceX is doing and things because they are kind of redirecting the, the market and, and how you get into space. And I think what we are discovering, and I believe that TI is leading the charge here, is that a lot of the major primes that are usually, you know, used to a long program of a $2 billion satellite that takes two or three years to get up into space are now also putting together these programs with, you know, fast track of trying to get them up within 18 months just to kind of stay competitive in this LEO market. So I think that TI certainly has the product line to support that within these RAD tolerant because some of them are 
you know, I think SpaceX is is famous for not using rad tolerant or rad hard devices. So I'm thrilled that TI is kind of following the need of the market space versus, you know, kind of drawing the line and saying, you know, this is our product, take it or leave it kind of thing. So when you talk about the, uh, the rad tolerant, can we look at, you know, what is it that makes the rad tolerant different from the rad hard? Yeah. So the main differentiation is going to be is, well, there's a couple when we look about this rad tolerant product line. One is we use plastic packages instead of the ceramic, which is in QMLV world is the requirement that you use a hermetically sealed ceramic package. The plastic affords you a lot um, more options to choose from for, for your mission, as well as uh, gets you smaller form factors because you're talking about these small satellites that don't have a lot of free space. So the smaller that you can make your component, the better off. The other thing is because the duration is only going to be maybe three to five years, your radiation requirements, like you look at accumulated radiation total ionizing dose isn't going to be as as high as you would have for a deep space or even a geosynchronous mission. So then you maybe only need 10K rad, or sometimes they want to have some guard band to do 20K rad. So what we've done on this line of products is we've done uh, a guarantee uh, radiation lot acceptance testing to make sure that all our parts will perform up to 20K rad. We actually characterize them to 30K rad, and some are even higher than that. But those are the main differentiations, I think, is that you get that guaranteed radiation level, both for the total ionizing dose, as well as our single event latch up will also do uh, 43 MeV for that. And then you get them in a plastic package, which gives you a lot more options. And performance is even higher because you can see, especially for the high speed components, uh, you do have some degradation in the ceramic packages because of the parasitic. So if you can use a smaller, newer plastic package, you can keep that performance. Yeah, no, that's fascinating. I know that when our VPs, F. Malik and I have had many conversations over the amount of ASICs that we've been part of, and we've been flying plastics for years. So it's always encouraging to you know, see that the plastics are out there. And also, I think it's just cost is such a controlling factor these days. There's People, you know, I always use the word, they're chucking up constellations, you know, they're throwing them up into space. And if they lost one, they're fine with it, right? So there's always this kind of a approach of the shotgun approach instead of the rifle, right? They throw up a whole 20 constellations. And if one dies, they use the data from it. But um, I want to talk about maybe just a little bit of what maybe TI is seeing as far as applications, because I think it's fascinating that we used to, you know, all of the big heavy lifting of GPS and all of these things, weather are changing. And really what we see in the LEO applications, especially on commercial space, is that it's really all about data collection. So payload uh, that's going up there, get, like you say, is getting smaller and lighter, but really the applications, it's all about data mining. So, you know, Disney's looking to see if people walk in the park and turn left or turn right and that kind of thing. And and one of our programs is, you know, looking at repairing satellites in space now. So what are, what are you seeing out there as far as what you can share, actually, in applications that are unique with this new space customer? Yeah, I think the one, those are, those are great examples. The one that we see the most prevalent would be the broadband connection. So people can access the Internet wherever they are, whether they're in rural sites in, in Montana or in, in Africa 
Or if you look at just the number of passengers on airplanes that want to be able to connect to the internet, it's it's quite astounding, actually, the, the number of potential customers there that can't get good connections. Or if you look in, in maritime, if on the oceans, being able to send and collect data, uh, military applications, there's just a, a bunch of those. So I think that's where these large constellations are being most interesting is, is being able to connect internet anywhere. The problem you have with that is you you really want the low latency. So that's where they're looking at the low Earth orbits. And you're in a more benign radiation environment, which is good. But uh, they they spin by quite quickly, right? A, a geosynchronous satellite can see, you know, very w- wide field of view. So you don't need as many of them. When you're very close to the Earth's surface, you have, you know, a satellite going around every 90 minutes. So then on the user side, you have to have a phased array antenna to be able to track that and, and do the handoffs. But I think that's the the most interesting application is just the capabilities that they're doing to get the cost down on these small sats, these LEO constellations, as well as with the user terminal, the customer premise, where they're using these phase array antennas to be able to communicate to them. Yeah, it is interesting, isn't it? Once we have it, we can't live without it kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> I know that one of our customers is involved in, you know, on the airplane managing Wi-Fi and, and same thing. You can tell when the Wi-Fi is not working on the plane, everybody's annoyed. But, yeah. you know, it's the it's now, you know, the, the key is going from the airplane to the satellite and back, not from the airplane to the ground to the satellite and back. So some of the interconnect capabilities there are, are unique from the satellite to the airplane strictly. Right. So that kind of helps the stability of that Wi-Fi while you're crossing over the U.S. Right. (laughs) So um, I want to focus a little bit more on the TI Space EP parts because I just think it's a fantastic, you know, catalog of of devices, if you will, and, and we appreciate the engagement we have with you to sell them. I think some of our customers that are very much engineering savvy, very technical are always looking to understand what that TI Space EP part brings to it. So can you give us a little bit of just a peek into maybe what you get with that, like HAS and temp cycle, that kind of thing? Sure. Uh, and that's a good point, because I think it, when you talk about SpaceX and how they want to do more commercial parts in their constellations, that was similar to what we saw back in the 90s when William Perry wanted to move to commercial parts for the military applications, just because there was a lot of custom development being done. So there was a big push to move to commercial, but they didn't realize kind of the reliability quality that they had to sacrifice when they did that, because you really focus on on costs a lot of those times. So that's when TIA worked with the Army and, and helped define the enhanced products, enhanced plastic line of products, where we can give that additional, more robust material set. You can do additional testing and qualification. So that's where, and this also relates to our space EP, we've kind of expanded it into our space portfolio as well, but you get the gold bond wire, which is more reliable than copper. Not that copper isn't very good, but you do have some issues with copper, you know, the bond integrity because the copper is bonding to the aluminum pads. And you can have some tighter process controls that are required there that make it a a little more risky in terms of the the adhesion and, and maybe die cracking you do have um, some corrosion impacts that you can have with the gold and chlorine through the flow soldering process. If your parts, since are plastic, you can have delamination potentially. And then just the um, the bond wire neck can break during temperature because of the temperature coefficient for 
copper is different than gold. So there's risks in that. And, and that's why we use a more robust material set. We don't use pure tin on any of those because then you have the tin whiskering and, and that's been proven by NASA where you, you get under stress or temperature. And especially when you're going around the earth every 90 minutes, you go hot and cold quite quickly. You can get these, these tendrils that could actually short lead to lead. So we don't use pure tin. We would, you know, use gold. We do the extended hass. So again, that you can make sure that these parts will survive under more, if they're in storage for a long time, they'll work when they need to work. The other thing that we do on the plastic parts for space is we do outgassing tests because because you're using an organic compound now, you can have outgassing, which could impact optics in terms of space, especially if you're doing any type of imaging. So those are all some of the things that the space EP would provide in addition to what our EP provided. But I think the most interesting is just that radiation testing that we would do. So we would make sure that these parts would perform in TID up to 20 KRAD, characterized up to 30 KRAD, and then for the single event effects for single event latch-ups specifically to 43 MeV. Yeah, that's great information, Gary. I know that a lot of our customers always want this information, especially if you know they're flowing some of these quality notes down, as you know they do, right? I believe that we look at that as insurance, right? Like you guys are providing this additional has testing, temp cycle, all the outgassing, the gold bond wires, et cetera. Because really that, you know, I always, when people come to us to do any kind of screening and things, I always tell them like, what kind of insurance do you want? And really it's application driven as we see it. And I think this is where the TI Space EP parts fit into this niche where the customer can take these things and immediately apply them to the application specific that they're using in these LEO space satellites. Because what we see as from a distribution standpoint and and a value add distributor is that people always want to touch it more and we prefer that they would take it as is, right? And so when you're offering all of this additional information, this is where the customer just you know, can literally buy it off the shelf and go to market, right? So some of the applications that we talk about insurance are, you know, if it's the redundancy they need or the insurance is, hey, this is a 10-minute flight, you know, where where the, the application's 10 minutes or it's three years or whatever, you really have provided an inroad with these space EP parts that provide the customer a broad range of, of applications and literally hit the road running with it literally off the shelf. Yeah, that's exactly right, Marty, because it just depends on how much risk they're willing to shoulder. You can, and sometimes you do have to do upscreening because you can't find a part that meets your performance needs at the radiation level you need. But the the risk you have in that, and we've seen this uh, time and time again, is because the process, the the radiation performance is so process dependent, depending upon the doping and and what type of diffusions use and the thickness of the epitaxial layer or the passivation layer. And that isn't necessarily tightly controlled in a lot of the fabs because it doesn't impact electrical performance. And they'll always calibrate for electrical performance. But unless you're measuring for radiation performance, these things can impact that. It can actually impact what the the performance can be across even a lot. So we have to do our our sampling across all the corners of the lot to make sure that we have a representative sample. And if you don't do that, there's always that risk that you get a variation. We have one example from the same lot where we had 100 KRAD 
performing devices and 10K RAD. So that's more of an extreme example, but that does happen. And even today, we have to do wafer to wafer testing on some of our parts just because the variability is so different in, in each of the lots. Yeah, I'm fascinated with that conversation. I know we have a couple programs in house where we're doing element eval, and it's by wafer lot and diffusion lot. So, you know, when we have applications or requests out there that people don't understand this variable and they are just taking samples of, you know, several wafer lots and trying to, to make, you know, 10,000 parts available to fly in space and we're guaranteeing it with, you know, 40 samples, it, it makes no sense to me, right? I, I really appreciate that you guys are always, you know, kind of leading the engineering charge here and understanding, you know, wafer lot variation. And, and like you say, they're passing as far as the data sheet goes, but when we're looking at these applications that require just a little bit more understanding and stability and broader parameters, then uh, that really is where it comes in. And the other thing, Marty, to point out is you don't know because you have to buy a, a much bigger sampling than you would because you're going to have yield issues when you're doing the extended temperature range or things could fail during some of the qualification testing. Or, you know, even when we do the radiation, they might only find one out of every four parts they test meet the radiation requirements that they need. And this is a challenge for a lot of these small SAT because they have a certain window they need to meet to get their products up because they're generally not the primary rider on the on the rocket. They're not the primary payload, they're secondary. So if they miss that window for whatever reason, they don't have enough units or they can't get them in time, then they have to wait maybe another year before they can launch their satellite. So there's a lot of benefits by, you said, being able to buy these already proven to perform at the level they need. Right. Yeah. I think that some of the things you were just starting to touch on there, if maybe we could touch a little bit heavier on them, is is some of the variations within the wafer lot. So basically the way I, you know, just to kind of simplify it for our listeners is that a lot of people you know, will go out, they'll buy parts, they'll want to do something with them. But then, like you say, if the lot fails or the radiation testing fails, then they're back to square one. And at this point in allocation, when parts are, you know, anywhere from 20 to 60 weeks, uh, first off, I don't know how anybody can plan anything in 60 weeks. I can barely plan next week. So it really is an amazing you know, situation where you've brought this product line to the market where it's immediately, you know, usable and they're not doing this additional work. But if people are out there doing it, let's say on, you know, some simple pulse width modulators or whatever, and they're failing after six months, you're, you start over. So the, the risk and the reward are certainly at both ends of the extreme where these TI space EP products have really taken that risk away. And I think that's, uh, you know, the key for any, you know, any engineer looking to design these in. And I, I just wanted to touch on one other thing is, is a little bit about the variations in the, the single event latch up uh, situation when you're doing radiation. So can you talk to us a little bit about some of the things that affect that, uh, you know, maybe the epi thickness and the doping and things like that, that you've seen so that, you know, the customer understands the absolute criticality of managing the wafer lot. Yeah. So uh, again, the, and a lot of times people will look at the process and determine, you know, it, how susceptible it would be to, you know, TID or SEL. But there's other things that impact it. Like you said, you know, what epitaxial layer it's built on, the thickness of that, the resistivity of that, even the component structure. So some parts that we think will be pretty good 
from a performance standpoint for radiation wise based on the process, they're not necessarily because of the way that the spacing is done between the different components or what components are being used. So you really have to test them all. And then you have to trade off when you add like the epitaxial layer, different types of resistivity. It also impacts your yield and electrical characteristics there. And a lot of times in the fabs, those aren't tightly controlled. You know, maybe it's plus or minus 20%, which is okay electrically a lot of times, but it makes a big impact from a radiation standpoint. So we do look at that, you know, both like the epitaxial layer, you know, what type of diffusion, how far it is from the, the single trench, uh, what, how much boron, the different combinations, how they interact. All that stuff has to be taken into account to really optimize the, the radiation performance and make sure you have enough guard band there to meet the mission needs. That is something that is always a risk when you do upscreen because, again, those things are not tightly controlled in the process. Uh, if it impacts electrical performance, sure, that's, that's very well monitored. But if you're not testing for radiation, that could vary. Even parts that we've had with, that have moved fab to fab on the SEL has changed quite a bit. And it, the recipe looks very similar, but each fab can use different types of, they might use local suppliers for some of the organic compounds. They can use different equipment. They have different controls. So the variability does make a difference there. So it is something to that I think some people overlook a lot of times when they're making these selections. And it's it's just adding more risk if you don't account for that. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a great point. And we can certainly get on a soapbox about that all day long. <laughs> um, the, uh, the currently, I believe TI has 10 of the base EP products. Uh, can you share what the roadmap looks like as far as what else might be coming on board? Yeah, we have a pretty good, I think, representation of key parts that we need to get going, covering data converters, uh, power devices, the ones that are very critical, right? You never want to lose power. If it's a temperature sensor, you can maybe take another sample if you have an interruption. But power, you, you really might want to make sure that you don't lose. So we focus a lot on those. So we have LDOs, we have point of loads, we have supervisors, and then we have a CAN transceiver, we have ADCs, clocking. But we have probably another 10 devices that are going to be released, if not in the next 12 months, at least in the next 18 months. So clearly, we know you need to have a wide variety of parts to be able to create a system level solution. We've tried to make sure that we get a good cut representing the different functions you would need, as well as looking at the more critical ones. But the other thing that we've done in the company level is we used to have a lot of this being done out of one group which was where our radiation expertise resided. But as a result of wanting to get more parts to market, we've really challenged each of the product lines to create their own roadmap for the space parts, both full space grade as well as space EP or the radiation tolerant space devices. So as a result, we can get a lot more parts out quicker. And then we have a centralized team that helps with all the radiation aspects, how to test it, how to optimize that, and just make sure all the product lines are using best practices and, and sharing lessons learned there. Excellent. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. We'll always be watching and keep a watchful eye out for the next products coming for sure. I feel like TI is always leading the charge there. Well, I appreciate your time. I know we're a little bit past our, our time here, Gary. Is there any uh, last things to add or uh, you know, any other comments before we wrap it up today? 
I think we touched on uh, the most of the things that are important, I think, as people decide what to use for the new space market. I do think it is important to look at the risk you're taking on, and sometimes you have to take on that risk. But if, if you don't have to, it can be pretty expensive when you have to do your own upscreening, just the number of parts you have to go through, as well as if you have a mission failure. Even though these LEO satellites are a lot cheaper than the GEO ones, they're still you know half a million to a million dollars. And then the launch costs alone is, is pretty expensive. So it isn't necessarily a, a low cost solution that you're moving to. So you want to minimize that risk as much as possible. Yeah, I totally agree. And we love being a partner with TI. Uh, you know, we're always looking to, you know, build around our Xilinx FPGAs and your offering is so broad in all of the TI products that it, it really helps us to manage the bomb because as you know, we have contract manufacturing in-house now. So we're we're seeing a lot more bombs and, and trying to get as many products on there as we can that we're authorized for. And we appreciate the relationship we have with TI. We're very much an engineering distributor and you guys are always there to kind of answer our questions and support some of these, you know, outside of the the norm conversations like this one. Not not every customer and not every supplier has this kind of knowledge depth that TI has had for many, many decades. I, I don't know how long you've been in the business, but I know that in my career, TI has always kind of led the way and always been leading the charge on space products. Well, thank you, Marty. I appreciate that. And from our perspective as well, we do appreciate the relationships you guys have and being able to pull us in. As you said, like the Xilinx is a is a key component a lot of times, and, and we can complement that and uh, appreciate the help that you give us to identify those opportunities. Great. Very good. Well, thank you, Gary. It's been a lovely chatting here with Spirit's podcast behind the screen. Thanks for listening with Spirit this week. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast to let us know what you want to hear about in aerospace and defense. You can find out more about Spirit's value-added services and product lines at spiritelectronics.com.